What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, quick reminder before we start: make sure to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, comment, as well as subscribe to the Miami Herald uh, newspaper. Uh, along with that, uh, now we are back as we take our trip around the AFC East to take a look at the Dolphins division rivals. AFC East, the AFC Beast, whatever you want to call it, is shaping up to be a very competitive conference. Uh, last time we checked in, uh, we took a look at the New York Jets, uh, who are bringing in Aaron Rodgers to try to elevate that team to championship contention. Uh, but now this week, we're going to talk about the team that has been in championship contention the past couple of years uh, in the division, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and to do that, I have brought along today uh, Mookie Hawkins, uh, director, sports director of 96.5 uh, Radio in Wolf New York. Uh, Mookie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is like the... Uh... Uh, the Fourth of July Eve, if you yeah. will. So you know, here it is. We're 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 chopping it up about sports. So I'm good. Yeah, most definitely. I got to say. So we we crossed paths first at the combine in Indy, and it okay. felt like it felt like every time I went to a player's booth or table, you were there too. So I know you know ball. I know you got an eye for talent. <laughs> so I'm excited to get into it. And we're gonna start with the team that you know best, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and we got to start with the elephant in the room. Uh, the last time we saw, heard about the the Buffalo Bills before uh, teams broke out for, you know, it's kind of summer break, end of offseason workout program. Uh, Bills had a little bit of drama going on. Uh, you know, you had, you had the start of OTAs, uh, you know, no longer uh, voluntary, but mandatory. And all players were accounted for except for one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. Uh, reporters spoke to head coach Sean McDermott. He said he was very concerned about the absence. So when you hear very concerned from the head coach, you know, it's a fire alarm. Everyone's like, all right, what's going on? Um, there seemed to be some type of confusion with Stefan, uh, the, the organization, his agent. He was there the next day. Uh, but afterwards, you know, I, I believe the final day of uh, OTAs was canceled. So kind of an ominous ending to OTAs. We know that the end, uh, you know, the, Bill's season didn't conclude the way they expected a tough loss in front of their home crowd uh, to the Bengals and Diggs, you know, didn't speak to reporters afterwards. Um, so Josh Allen, you know, he spoke uh, after that first practice as well, saying that there's some things that they got to clear up. But it seems like McDermott tried to, you know, drown out the smoke, drown out the fire, you know, and he said, we're all good. But uh, what was your takeaway and your kind of perception of everything that happened over the course of a couple of confusing days? It wasn't good. It, it, it shows that they're not on the same page, obviously. You know what I mean? That's what it definitely showed. I mean, me personally, Coach McDermott was in his feelings. He was in his feelings. Whatever whatever him and Steph talked about, because he was there Tuesday. He was there for mandatory. He reported it within his contract. He came. But whatever possessed Coach McDermott to say what he said, obviously he had to be in his feelings for him to say that Stephon Diggs wasn't there, he wasn't unaccounted for, and he's not at camp when you know good goddamn well he was, right? For yeah. you to come out and say that it was an excused absence the next day, therefore reiterating the point that, yeah, Steph was there. So you had to be in your feelings Friday. Steph was in his feelings too because obviously he walked off, he, he, left, he left the facility, didn't uh, practice on the first day of mandatory OTAs. Coach Madur was in his feelings, and, you know, he kind of created this this beast of why Stefan Diggs isn't here. He's not there when he's there. So 
you know, and that day, you know, if I'm Steph Diggs, I got some trust issues with that. You know, it's like kind of you like throwing my player under the bus for what? And you know he was here, right? So how would you backtrack to say that it was an excused absence to be continued? But, you know, my guy, uh, I rock with Steph. Um, I feel that. He's a Maryland guy, so and I'm a Maryland guy too. University of Maryland, go Terp. So I'm, 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 I'm solid with Steph too. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Steph guy, and and I'm a coach as well. So I see some things. Even though you are a good ass team, doesn't necessarily means that there's there's not going to be any issues. There's not going to be any friction, right? Yeah. So it's been friction throughout the season. If you can go all the way back to the Cleveland game, where it is, Stephon Diggs on the sideline. You know, having a one-on-one with Coach McDermott, like, hey, man, we're, you know, losing to Cleveland. I haven't touched the ball in a quarter and a half. What's going on? You know what I mean? So, to me, that's where it really began. And then it materialized, you know, during the course of the season all the way until, um, you know, the Miami game. You know, and, you know, Steph really, he don't really talk to too many people, right? He don't really talk to the media, right? But, you know, me and him, we chop it up from time to time. So, after the Miami game, and, you know, I, you know, Steph blessed me with an exclusive interview. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I got to hear it. It's, it's, it's yeah. win and go home time, yeah. big money time, big ball of stuff up in big, big play situations today. I mean, dude, you had over just about 100 yards in that first half. How excited were you to go out there and contribute and make plays for your team, especially when they needed it? I was happy. It was just like trying to get on the right page with my quarterback. I feel like uh, it's real pivotal right now. We're trying to tread in the right direction. Um, you know, this game wasn't perfect. But there's no style points in this game right now. We're just trying to get wins, stack them, and move on to the next round. So we had a blessing to get another opportunity, trying to take full advantage. Now, you were just killing them in that first half. Was there anything they did in the second half that altered some things where, you know? No, nah, not really. They didn't really do nothing. It was just, you know, I guess we were trying to work some different stuff and, you know, work with some other guys. So I really was just trying to, you know, hone in on, continue to do my job, keep the positive energy going, and be there whenever they call my number. No doubt. And I know sometimes it can be tough, uh, you know what I mean, when you're doing what you're doing and the game is out of reach and then all yeah. of a sudden they the tear go another yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I mean? it's definitely tough on the mental, but what's up, I talk. It's definitely tough on the mental. Uh, I just try to keep my head in it, you know, try to figure out what's going on and whatever's in the best interest of the team, I'm all for it. So, But definitely it is tough when you come out hot and then, like, shit get a little cold. So just got to keep rolling. Big picture, you move on to the next week, not sure what your opponent is. How do you, you know, Take this one in, but focus on what's in store for next year. It was a, it's a 24-hour rule in the regular season. It's a 12-hour rule in the, in the playoffs. So as soon as we know our opponent get a jump start, we're going to start figuring them out and uh, start figuring out how we're going to beat them. Appreciate you, my guy. No doubt. Good luck. And this is after the playoff win in Buffalo yes. over the Dolphins, yeah. Right, over the Dolphins. So, it, it, you know, it, it the, that was it. That was the final straw. And that was the last – that's the last interview you ever hear. This is an exclusive. I didn't even put this out nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got exclusive like, on a Dolphins and that podcast. There we go. <laughs> so that's that's exclusive Stefan Dix. That's his last, literally last interview, you know what I mean, with the Bills after a game. Now, I got him again that Wednesday leading up, you know, toward the game. But to have some post-game stuff, that's the last official Steph Diggs uh, interview of last season. So you got it first. Hey. Come to the Dolphins and Depp podcast, you get exclusives. I appreciate it. But but really, to that to that point, that just speaks to the overall uncertainty and just kind of confusion of the situation because you have 
people kind of speaking on Steph's behalf, essentially, because you have, you know, all the questions about him going to the coaches and his teammates, and he's not speaking for himself. You know, maybe now we're left to kind of deduce what he's trying to say from tweets, cryptic tweets. I, I don't even like doing that. Um, but, but but again, overall, it just adds to what's shaping up to be another very pivotal season for the Bills. They've been knocking on the door mm-hmm. for, for the last couple of years. They won the division the last three years. Uh, they got to the uh, AFC Championship the year before last, and the expectation was like, all right, you get Von Miller. It's time for you to take that next step. That's kind of the icing on the cake. Josh Allen is a MVP caliber quarterback, and you you know kind of regress in a sense, taking a step back instead of the championship round, you lose the divisional round, and kind of in embarrassing fashion in front of your home crowd. Um, yep. One thing that I, I don't I don't want to say it was maybe it was a surprise to me, maybe not to you and others in, in the Buffalo area, um, but about a week or two ago. Um, not only did Sean McDermott, the head coach, but the GM Brandon Bean, they both got multiple year extensions tying them to the franchise, um, you know, for the long haul. And to some, that was maybe a bit of a surprise given the fact that, you know, obviously they're in a, they've been ascending the past couple of years, but maybe, you know, entering what maybe on the outside is a make or break season. What is it? Was it a surprise to you? And what does that say about where that franchise is right now? was one surprise for me you know anytime when you can take a team from you know not making it to the playoffs for 17 straight years and you know make this team a Super Bowl contender that's still looking to get over the hump you know they're not going anywhere um you know so this assures that they'll be here you know especially with the new stadium being built that you know they will be around you know when the stadium is is ready to roll so it's not a surprise for anybody here it's just reiterating the point that you know this team definitely has to get on the right track. Obviously, there has been some regressions into, you know, Stefan Diggs' frustration. If you obviously seen that in, you know, in the interview there, um, it has been some regression in the offense. And as good as this offense was last season, there was some obvious regression. There it is, Josh Allen, you know, leading the league in in turnovers inside the red zone to the point where the first five years of the season, he's never threw an interception inside the red zone. Uh I mean, you can't say that Stefan Dish regressed other than um, teams doubling him and uh, offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey's inabilities to get him freed up. So you will. He say, OK, he regressed in that area. But the numbers, Stefan Diggs is still one of the elite receivers in the NFL. Uh, Gabe Davis, some say he will regress, but he put up some of his best numbers uh, in his career. Right. But, you know, there was some drops, you know, late in the season. He's been dealing with some injuries. Um you know, everybody regressed under a new offensive coordinator. This offense definitely has regressed. But when you really look at the situation, like this team really shouldn't have lost a game when you look at it, <laughs> you know. But there were some eyesore regression within the offense because of you having uh, Ken Dorsey, who's been, you know, a play caller in his first year. So it's going to be obviously some regression there. And it showed late in the, in, in the season because the Bills just stay even killed. They didn't get better and better and better as the season progressed. They stayed level here. They stayed right here. And that's how, you know, Cincinnati was able to expose them very badly in the playoffs because they didn't really adjust to what teams were doing to, you know, to put, to put a mandate on it, to stop the bleeding, if you will, uh, against this high powered offensive team. Uh, Ken Dorsey's inability to adjust to certain situations definitely was, uh, exposed in the playoffs. So hopefully another year under his belt. Um, and this is why, you know, staff say he wants some 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 decision making in the play column. You know, so how do you got a guy 
that's killing it in the first half, and all of a sudden you go somewhere else with the ball, and it's not what the Dolphins are doing. They're not doubling digs. They got two of the top corners in the, in the NFL. They're not going to double digs, right? So why not? He's not why, – why your star player is not touching the ball come playoff time? And you almost lose that game with a third-string quarterback. Yeah. You know, so this is clearly a frustration. If I was if I was out there playing, I would be frustrated as well because there's no way that a Super Bowl contending team should be losing at home with a third string quarterback. You know, so it's some things that Ken Dorsey definitely has to fix because Stefan Diggs is the one who's running those routes and he's not getting open based upon that creativity and that design by an inexperienced offensive coordinator. So year two, some continuity going on. And I feel that Stefan Diggs should have some sort of input uh, with the play calling. I mean, he he he's more seasoned than, than than anybody on the offense, including Josh Allen. So, if if Josh Allen' opinion is valued, Stefan Diggs' opinion should be valued too. Uh, he just signed a five year extension, so they're in the bed to each other. It's a marriage yeah. that isn't going. Yeah, they they were talking about people were kind of floating out trade them. Like, hold up, they <laughs> they they not trading him at all. You're like, you gotta look at the contract to that the 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 details of that contract. They were not gonna trade him, so I wasn't even entertaining that. But but you make a good point um about just the overall functioning of the offense. I think the loss of Brian Dable was one that maybe like we were kind of praising him for everything he was doing with Daniel Jones in New York. But I think we kind of had to also flip the script and say, hey, maybe that's the reason why the offense wasn't running as smoothly uh, uh, under year one at Ken Dorsey. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how he tries to uh, evolve and grow as a play caller. Um, w- one last thing I want I want to ask you before we uh, get to a short break and then really talk about how they uh, how the Bills match up with the with Dolphins, vice versa. Um, obviously, we, we all remember the scary uh, incident uh, with DeMar Hamlin Um in Cincinnati in January, suffering cardiac uh, arrest, had to receive, you know, re, re, honestly be resuscitated and be brought back to life right there. Um, you know, it's a, it's a miracle. It's a blessing. And, you know, he, he's not only has it has, you know, that been such a, you know, a miracle and a blessing, but what he's done, you know, in the aftermath of it, um, really being philanthropic, going out of his way um, to try to bring, uh, you know, medical devices um, to, to those that need it and really uh, spread awareness uh, about this. Um, he was cleared to return to uh, football activities uh, about maybe two months ago or so. Um, can you just kind of provide an update on on where he is and where he kind of factors in with the team? Obviously, they got Jordan Poyer, uh, Micah Hyde coming back, and at least on Taylor Rapp. But where, how is he doing and where does he kind of factor in with the team this upcoming season? Man, God is good, isn't he? You know, just, I mean, he's out there like you figure something like that would have never happened if you just watch him just practice and participate. Obviously, the Bills are going to definitely take their time with that. They're not going to, like, rush him back to to no extent of the imagination. Uh, his rookie contract has been guaranteed by the NFLPA, so it's really no rush on getting him really back out there. I'm quite sure that the Bills are going to go to any type of – every type of magical measure to make sure that he's, you know, suited up and ready to go uh, before he get that okay. But he's been – He's been defying the odds. I mean, he's definitely he's been cleared to go. I mean, he got his helmet out there. Um, he he had a few uh, contact situations, no issues, you know. So you know, we just have to wait and see when the pads and stuff come on. Where would they go? We're like, will he, will he, will he be on the pup? Where you have a non-contact? That's when you really see where they truly are in reference to 
uh, DeMar Hamlin's uh, situation and him getting back out there on the field. But right now, everything looks pretty good. Uh, um, you know, his conditioning is uh, up to par. Um, his reaction, you know, getting to the ball, making plays is 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 100 percent. So. He looks like them. Actually, he looks a little bit more sharper. If you kind of ask me, he looks a little bit more sharper. But we'll see once the pads come on. Um, you know how that materializes with Demar Hamlin. But it's absolute blessing for him just to be back out there. You know, very inspirational and uh, what he's doing in the community. You know, throughout the cross of the country, making awareness on AEDs and CPR. I mean, we just had one recently a couple of weeks ago. At uh, you know the old rock pile where the Bills used to play, and the Bills had an awesome uh, uh, layout. All the rookies came out, and the community came out. So uh, chasing M's man is doing phenomenal things, and yeah, the uh, money has been raising, and yeah, pouring it back to the community. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real example of just taking what really could have been a tragic situation, um, and turning it into you know the, the best possible thing. So you know, again, football was put on a back burner. That was an afterthought for so long, but now that you know he has been cleared by the medical uh, officials, um, you know, it, it is great to see him back on the field. Um, and again, continuing to you know, get back to the community and, and pay for it. So that's awesome. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, uh, Dolphins, Bills, they faced off three times each time uh, it came down to the wire. Uh, but is this the year that the Dolphins supplant Buffalo for AFC supremacy? Uh, we're going to talk about that and more. Stay locked with us, and we'll be back soon. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins and Duck Podcast with Mookie Hawkins talking all things Dolphins and Bills as we take our trip around the AFC East. Uh, now, in the first half, we're talking about a lot of Bill-specific points. What's going on with Stephon Diggs? Uh, the overall state of the franchise and the team after coming up short uh, in the Super Bowl and, and I uh, of the Super Bowl. And I got to say, like, we didn't really emphasize it as much in the first half. But, you know, this was a team that entering the previous season, they were the, the betting favorites. Um, so it's not like, oh, they were kind of one of the teams in the mix. No, this was a team that was, you know, entering the season favored in majority of their games. They were expected to represent the AFC and they don't even get back to the championship game. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of cause of concern. And now you look at the rest of the AFC East. Uh, you've got the Dolphins, you know, they retained most of their squad and then they added Jalen Ramsey. Um, you got the Jets, as I said before, they added Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are kind of not really paying too much attention to the Patriots, um, but they've always been competent. They've always been in the mix. They're always going to be a hard out. I mean, we even saw it in the final game of the regular season, uh, you know, when the, I think the, the Dolphins, you know, needed the Bills to win, to beat the Patriots. Uh, to kind of confirm some of their playoff clinching scenarios. Um, and the Patriots were, they were giving them everything they could handle until the end of that game. So again, the Patriots, you can't, you can't count out New England for at least, you know, giving up a good fight. Um, but as you look at the AFC East again, Buffalo's won the last three division titles. Has the gap officially been closed in the AFC East? Because for me, I've been saying it for several weeks, several months. I think the Dolphins have the most talent on paper. I'm not saying that they're the best team, but I think they have the most talent in the division. What, what do you think? Um, I would say, yeah, I would give I give the office fires the most talent. They have the more they have more athletes. They are the most they are the most athletic team in the AFC East. I, I I can say that talent, you know, that varies. But athleticism, I'll give that to the Dolphins for sure. Um, yes, they have made they. I mean, the Buffalo the, what the Bills have done the past three years. 
force teams like the Jets, the Dolphins, and including the Patriots to, man, try to do what's best to keep up with the Joneses, if you will. If yeah. you, you, you're not going to be able to compete with the Bills with mediocrity or with mediocre play at cornerback. You're not going to be able to compete with the Bills if you can't fight fire with fire. So what do they do? They go out and get speed in Tyreek Hill, a guy who's been in thorn in the Bills' side the past three years, kept him out of the Super Bowl. Dolphins go nab him. Uh, you know, they go and get help. They're bringing a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who's, you know, who's, who's, who's top five dead or high for his position. So, yes, they have got better, but the Bills have got sneaky good, too. And like was, you said before, yeah, go. Go ahead. I was going to say, because it wasn't like a it wasn't a splashy offseason compared to the previous one they got Von Miller, because I wanted to ask, like, what are some I know they added Leonard Ford, but what, what are some moves that maybe are kind of going under the radar that from the outside that we aren't aware of? Because um, on paper, it doesn't seem like the, the Bills did a ton in the offseason. But what would you say? We, we did it. We did enough. We did enough. I mean, first, we we I call it minor upgrades. Right. I call it minor upgrades. We 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 replace Isaiah McKenzie with a Deion Hardy. We replace uh, 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 a Jake Kumaro with a Trent Sherfield, who's from yep. Miami. Yep. Right. So we, we've uh uh, Khalil Shakur has gotten better. We drafted Justin Shorter, a big, rangy uh, 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 wide receiver for Josh with, with, with a great catch radius. We drafted Dalton Kincaid, some say who was the best receiver in this year's draft, whether a receiver or a tight end. So uh, we still have Dawson Knox. Gabe Davis in his contract year, an obvious one of the best receivers in the NFL and Stephon Diggs. On the uh, running back portion, we replaced Devin Singletary with Damian Harris, a guy who's familiar with the AFC East and especially with the Patriots. You know, he played there, know all about that system. So, and we we picked up Latavius Murray and James Cook in his second year. Once we take the training wheels off him, you know, we should be okay. The Bills have revamped their offensive mind up front. Uh, keep, somebody yeah, early. Yep. yeah, we 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 are Quentin Osiris fell in our laps uh, in, in the second round, you know. So we got him, we got Nick Brodicker. You got two guys that was all SEC who really didn't allow any sacks. So if you're not giving up sacks in the SEC, you're playing Alabama and Georgia and LSU, and you ain't giving up no sacks, I, 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 I like those picks as well. Um, so they brought in Connor McGovern as well and then free agency. So this team has got sneaky, sneaky good. You say you you, you pick up Leonard Floyd. You pick up Tyler Rapp on the, on the flip side of that. You bring in a Puna Four who's a run stopper. So um, we didn't lose too many people off this uh Super Bowl roster that was the favorite last year, right? Yeah. So if the Bills were the favorite last year with the roster that they had last year, to me, this roster is better than last year's roster. Really? So okay. I say the same rule apply. I mean, everybody in the division has gotten better. We'll just see how the continuity and the familiarity, you know, may win a few bar games here and there. So we'll just have to see with another year under Coach Dorsey's belt, the growth of this offense and how they evolved. Uh, will they bring a little bit more balance, attack? Uh, with the run game to help Josh out because Josh can't be, you know, shoulder and load being your quarterback and running back. That's just not going to fly. Um, so I think that this this Bills team has gotten better and they have a better roster than last year's Super Bowl favorite team. So that's interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I wanted to say one thing that stood out to me that it really just came to mind like came a couple of days ago and I was kind of looking at the roster because, you know, as well as doing, you know, these podcasts, I've also been doing the AFC East previews um, for the website where, you know, I break down each position group and, you know, kind of just do the outlook. Um, and, and one thing that I forgot is that the defense specifically had several injuries to key guys, whether it was guys returning from injuries like a Tredavious White or 
players that were just lost during the season. Von Miller you know, going down with the ACL. Um, you had Micah Hyde, who only played in, I think, two games because of the neck injury. Jordan Poirier was banged up in and out of the lineup. Um, so, so how much do you think that that hurt them last year? And how much do you think having those vets back and maybe Tredavious kind of getting his legs under him, how, how much do you think that that will assist uh, this defense in 2020? It would definitely assist us, I mean, especially on the back end, you know, as far as communication. I mean, you do, you know, have a big void, which remain Edmonds not being there. But mm-hmm. I think that uh, Coach McDermott, who's now calling the plays because Leslie Frazier has gone, um, I think you're going to see a much more aggressive defense uh, with veteran leadership, with two all pros back there, with Poyer and Hyde being back, being healthy, Tredavious being 100% healthy. Uh, you got two star rookie corners um, when well, they're not rookies anymore, but you got Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford, two six two corners that'll be back in the second year. Uh, you they got picked up Cameron Dantzler, you know. So the Bills been sneaky good. This is this is probably the most competitive roster in the Bean McDermott era, and I'm, I'm really excited excited to see how it's going to pan out. I think they're going to compensate with the loss of Tremaine Edmonds by being a little bit more aggressive. So you'll see some more blitzing than normal. Then last year, what, 75% of the time the Bills had a, a soft box. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Yeah, so also the, the coaching shape was something that was just kind of interesting to me because at first it was Leslie Frazier kind of doing a sabbatical and then news kind of came out before that, I mean, afterward that, you know, maybe it was more of a disagreement on the way to go and McDermott kind of wanted to take uh, take more of the rain, reins in that. I mean, it, it seemed like over the several, especially over the past several years, I mean, uh, Frazier led some of the best defenses in the in the league. I mean, I think that they were they were number one in in twenty twenty one, if I'm not correct. Um, but but why why did it seem like now there needed to be that change? Well, I just think that it's just the overall growing pains of one. Leslie Frazier should have been a head coach candidate a long time ago. I mean, I'm I'm not sure why. Well, I know why. You know, he's not a head coach, so he should be a head coach somewhere. You know, so those are one one of the frustrations. And then two, I mean, hey, when you're when you got a microscope on you, nobody want to come to work with a microscope on. You know what I mean? So he's done an outstanding job for it to have that type of microscope on him um, since he's been here as the D.C. And for him to perform and put up top five defenses year in and year out, you know, you know, I I mean, that's a lot of pressure from one guy. So I'll say that. I wish Coach Frazier nothing but the best, um, you know, and I hope that he can, you know, land a head coaching job very, very quickly. Uh, he would definitely be missed here. But, again, um, I think Coach McDermott just, just got that itch, you know. When, you, when you're when you a defensive coordinator and you get the head coaching position, you know, you still, you know, get that feeling that you want to call plays. So, you know, that's – and he's a young guy. It's not like he's an older guy and he's designating that to somebody else. When you're young like that, you still got that edge to, you know, want to call plays, even though I am the head coach. But I still feel that, you know, I can do this, especially with the type of players that, you know, I want to bring in because this is my baby. I'm the head coach of this team. So I'm, I got carte blanche right now. So he's like a kid in the candy store, if you will, with Coach McDermott. So, again, I'll, I'll see that the Bills will be a little bit more aggressive. You see a lot more blitzing. You got Matt Milano, who's still there. He's coming off an all-pro year. So um, I think that this team will be more aggressive than, you know, uh, uh, Leslie Frazier's defense that was top ranked the past three years. It's the same more aggressive, more blitzing. I'm thinking about how that matches up with the Dolphins. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the way to go for that matchup. 
I don't know if he want to blitz against the Dolphins with those guys. What, what do you think about that? Well, you got to do something. You can't sit around and, and, and play passive-aggressive defense. You can't be, uh, you know, playing 10 yards off when it's third and three. You know, you, you can't be doing that. So they got to find a way to, you know, be a little bit more aggressive. I think that Kyer Elam, you know, played played Tyreek Hill quite well, especially that first game. Uh, second game, it wasn't bad neither, but it's the scheme of things. They have to get after the quarterback. And, you know, it's going to be quite interesting when Von Miller returns and you got Leonard Floyd at your disposal. What's going to happen in a – let's say if it's a third and long situation – Greg Russo, I feel that probably move inside. Yeah, yeah. So you got Greg Russo, you got Leonard Floyd, you got Von Miller, and you could put anybody else you want to put in there. You want to put Jordan Phillips, you want to put Ed Oliver in there, go right ahead. Me, I like the big guy, so I'll probably go with Jordan Phillips, who's 6'5", 330. You put him right next to Greg Russo, who's damn near 6'8". You got Von Miller and, and, and Leonard Floyd coming at you. Quarterback, you got to step up into a, a Russo who's 6'8", with that length, and a Jordan Phillips with a motor, too. So, you know, yeah, we got to apply pressure to quarterbacks. That's how you that's how you're able to, you know, check Tyreek Hill one on one sometimes. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I know I know he got one. Up, I know he got one on Tredavious in that in that second game. But it is interesting because we saw in the like the first half of that year, especially when Tua came back from the first concussion, they really started to hit their groove. It's like nobody had an answer for those two guys. Hill and Jalen Waddle. Um, I think they. I think over the course of the entire season, the Dolphins saw the the highest amount rates of zone because teams just did not want to play man to man. And then you saw when they started to kind of get tripped up in the later part of the season, you saw some different stuff. And I think um, it's interesting to see the way this matchup is going to be. You know, in year two, I guess year two of the Mike McDaniel area with, with the Bills and the Dolphins to see what they do because we saw in the San Francisco 49ers game that broke their their win streak, their five game win streak. We saw like the you know the linebackers have a really big role and get in depth, kind of closing those 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 windows, and then the defensive front was able to get the pressure that you're talking about. And then the 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 next week against the Chargers, um, they kind of flip the game plan where the cornerbacks were a lot a little more aggressive. So I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting because I think Buffalo can do a little bit of both. Obviously, if Tredavious White is back to that, you know, that all pro form that we've seen in, pre in the previous seasons, all right, they have somebody who can, you know, keep up with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Um, and then you have, again, you have the potential makings of a, of a really deep defensive front. I really do like the, that defensive line as well. Like I said, um, whenever Vaughn comes back, um, if you know, he's, I know he's 34, but he was looking really good before the ACL last year. You had Leonard Floyd, he's had nine sacks the past three years greg Rousseau, who's a who's a miami guy uh mike Jalen phillips i mean he, he had a, a good second season as well so you have the potential matchups there and then again in the back end if you you know if, if, if healthy michael michael hyde and jordan poyer you know arguably the best safety duo so i think like you say there might be more blitzing but it's gonna be interesting to see what they do in that miami matchup because i think that they have the makings to do a lot of different things you can't just play man the entire game against the Dolphins. they're gonna cook you at some point um, but again, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the chess match because again, though every single game was competitive in its own right, and we and we had like different. Every game was kind of unique in its own way. Like we had the first matchup where you had you know 105 degrees on the field. Uh, you know the Dolphins never had the ball, but they still come out with a with a two point win at the, uh, at the very last second. Um, you got the second one where you know we're expecting a blizzard. And then it doesn't come until like the last five minutes of the game. And then Josh Allen takes over. And then you had the third game, two is not there. Um, but that was, I don't even know how to describe that game because it looked like we we're ready, ready headed to a blowout. And then the Dolphins somehow, I mean, really with their defense, they, you know, get back in the game. 
Um, but, but I mean, it's, it's like, it's like that gradual progression. I mean, you know, the, the, the bills got their quarterback, they got their coach and they kind of had that vision and they put it into, put it into motion. And then the Dolphins were kind of a year or two behind, you know, finding their quarterback, getting things right with Tua. Um, but again, I mean, if, if, I feel like if last year proved anything, it said, all right, the Dolphins can compete because they get lost. Like, I don't even, I don't even know how many, I remember I was writing about it. They lost like three, four five straight years. You don't know, just, just get swept, not being competitive with them. I think, I think after the first time they played Josh Allen, after that, the next three, four years, you know, he, he had beaten them. So the fact that they're able to get a game on them and then be competitive and be competitive without two in the playoffs. Um, I think that if last year showed anything, it's that, Hey, the, the Dolphins are, are right there. And again, I don't know, maybe it's, I know Buffalo people watching this or listening will say it's the Miami homerism or whatever the Miami bias, but I do think that the 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 roster stack up, you know, considerably. And you know, if you ask me, if you put my foot to the fire, I say uh, the Dolphins are probably a little bit better just in terms of talent on paper. So it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, what happens with those matchups. Yeah, well, I mean, Coach um, McDaniel, you know, that's my guy. Carmine, I, I I felt a new respect for for Coach McDaniel there, and you know, he coaches his ass off though. He called a younger guy. He speaks their language. And, you know, hey, it, the player's going to go all out for him. So I'm excited to see what he, what he's going to do, you know, as a coach year two as well, because Miami goes how he goes. And, you know, he, he he's definitely made his mark in his first year. So I was quite impressed to see, you know, here it is. He's not a football guy. He went to Yale and all that stuff. But <laughs> you wouldn't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that – um. You know, I feel like because we we only knew so much about him uh, when he was first hired, and we saw the kind of funny press conferences. And we knew he was a young guy. We knew he was a relatable guy. We knew he was a smart guy. Um, but the way I feel like one of the most underrated parts of you know maybe things they don't get talked about enough from last season, but just how we kind of kept everything. He kept a tight ship. Like he, like they, there were a lot of times last year where I think that things could have you know went haywire they had a couple losing streaks tool was out twice the whole concussion scandal issue whatever you want to call it and you didn't hear any leaks you didn't hear guys complaining saying we got to do this that the third and he would jump in front of a lot of issues and take accountability you know we, we talked about you know ken dorsey um what he has to do to grow um you know what sean mcdermott might do calling defensive plays now but mcdaniel was you know one of the first guys to come out and say hey i'm not, I'm not running the ball enough I got to play. I got to call the plays better. You know, I got to put the players in a better position. So that really impressed me. And um, that all kind of leads me into what, one of my last points. I, I was going to ask, what do the Bills need to do to get over the hump in 2023? And I was going to say, I feel like it's the same for the Dolphins, because I feel like making both of their offenses more balanced and less uh, reliant and dependent on their star players is what's the key for both of them? Because you talk about, you, you mentioned it before, you know, the, the offense goes as Josh Allen goes, but maybe it's a little too dependent on him. You know, sometimes the running game, just standard handoffs, you know, isn't there as often. You're not only relying on Josh Allen to throw the ball, but run the ball, which he can do. But sometimes you kind of want to take that pressure off of him to, to have to produce. And on the flip side with the Dolphins, um, you know, Obviously, this offense is going to go as far as, you know, Tua goes. And kind of by proxy, it's going to go as far as Jalen Wilder and Tyreek Cook goes because he's throwing to them a lot. Um, but if they can find that balance, you know, they might get Dalvin Cook. You know, he's waiting. He seems like he wants to come to Miami, but the money's got to be right. So if the money's right, or maybe, I don't know, if the money's right, I, I think he'll be here. But if not, maybe he just says, I, I want to play for, for my hometown team. Um, if he comes 
comes into the fold, then you got a real, really balanced offense. I'm not the biggest proponent of like they have to sign him, me personally. Um, but if he does come, obviously that takes a lot of pressure off of Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and kind of by you know effect uh, uh, Tua. But you know, on your end, I'm looking at the Bills. What do they need to do to take that next step? Just the same thing you said. Get Josh Allen ass up under center, run the football, and you know utilize you know run action. I mean. When they did run the ball, they went bad. I mean, I, I had to ask Coach Dorsey and Pressers, like, Coach, you struggle in short yard situation. How do you struggle in short yard situations when you have two running backs that average over five yards carry? Couldn't answer that question. Too. That sounds kind of like the Dolphins, because the Dolphins didn't have great uh, team raw numbers. But you look at Mostert, you look at Jeff Wilson, those guys were averaging 4.7. The offensive line isn't great for the Dolphins. I, I, I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. But when you got guys averaging close to five yards a pop, it doesn't make sense. Like the Dolphins were like the worst short yardage offense at all. I mean, in the in the, in the NFL because they just couldn't run at all. So it's it's weird how similar these teams are with some of their yeah. offensive issues. I mean, when you look at it, Josh Allen when he got drafted, he wasn't this this elite passer that he is now. You know, he had the potential, he had the upside to be that right. So Josh was going to come in and be an elite game manager. That's why you brought in Frank Gore. That's why you had Shane McCoy. That's why they drafted Devin Singletary. A more power control run that now, you know, you got run action coming off that power run that sets up your pass. The addition of Stefan Diggs changed that dynamic, you know, to where, you know, they went away from a more uh, power power gap team to a more zone run team. And, you know, that opened things up, you know, in the past in the passing game because they were more spread than anything using RPOs. That's why you saw Zach Moss being drafted the very next year. Didn't really pan out with 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 that scenario. Then you have offensive line issues. We got we got run blockers, but we're trying to pass block all the time. So didn't mix and match with the offensive line last year. You got Roger Saffold, who is a running back guru, goofy monster, but we got him pass blocking, you know, 80% of the time. It's just not it's not conducive to what he does as a player. It doesn't fit his strong suit. So Bills had to figure that one out. I mean, everybody want to talk about how bad the Bills line were, but hey, you, you had two running backs that averaged over five yards a carry. You had a 4,000 passer. Half of your line made it to the damn Pro Bowl. So they really couldn't have been that bad. You know, it all falls again on, on, on Coach Dorsey, his inability to um, – have the right play calls at the right situations. I mean, you lose a game to the Minnesota Vikings, second and two, you can't you can't convert. Third and two, you can't convert. Fourth and two, you you get the ball picked off where you could have just kicked the field goal and avoided everything that you encountered during the rest of that game and lose 33 to 30. You know, that game cost you the number one seed. So yep. it's a lot of things to where the Bills were winning every game. It's just that to me, it seemed like they just overdid it, trying to win it twice. Like if you, if you, for instance, like the Miami game, right? They're blowing Miami out. All of a sudden, Miami comes back. Double turnovers. Turnovers. Because why? Because you're passing the ball and you have a comfortable lead. The cowards always say, run the football when you up. Control the game. Kill the clock. Why are we passing the damn football to allow the other team to come back in the game? And then all of a sudden we got to make a miraculous drive to win it. That's why I say the Bills is just really making it hard on themselves, especially the second half of the season, because you had to win the damn game twice because you refused to run the ball. 
you were losing to the Chicago Bears till you started running the ball. You had two running backs that damn near went over 100 yards. We didn't see those run. We didn't see the Bills run the ball no more the rest of the season. Why is that? Uh, they played New England. Uh, probably the most complete game when they played New England. Um, they emphasized the run that Thursday night against New England. And that's when you saw a complimentary football at its best on all three phases. Other than that, I didn't really see the Bills put too many complete games together where you thought offense, defense, special team was kick, kicking on all cylinders. The New England game on the road on Thursday night was probably the best. and they, That was like a, what, 27 to 17 game, but the Bills dominated the game. Um, we didn't see too much of that in the second half of the season for this Bills team. So hopefully they can you know, pick up where they left off in certain areas and get better in the areas where they regressed. Yeah, we talked so much about players that need to step up, take a step forward. Um, but I think a, a real big part of what decides the division is going to be the impact and the growth of the various, you know, whether you want to say head coaches and coordinators, you know, for the Dolphins and the Bills uh, on on both sides of the ball. You got the growth in McDaniel, second year as a head coach, play caller. Uh, you got Vic Banjo. Everyone really talked about him. But, you know, that's going to be a completely different defensive scheme, def- defensive philosophy that he brings to that team. And then on the Bills side, the growth of Ken Dorsey and then Sean McDermott uh, taking over the defensive play calls and what that can mean for, their, for that philosophy. So, we, again, we talk a lot about the players. Uh, but the coaches will, will have a big impact on on that as well. Um, one last question because we haven't we haven't got it definitively from you before we get out. Um, my, right now it's early. We still got a, I believe, fifteen days until the Dolphins rookies report, and then another week before the bets come up and we and we start. But right now, I'm looking at the AFC and I think it'll be Dolphins, Bills, Jets, Patriots, and I think that. Those top three teams will all be in the mix, uh, you know, for for clinching a playoff spot. Uh, what is it looking like uh, in, from your perspective right now in the AFC East? Um, I would say, I mean, let me just follow up on the last question. To win the Super Bowl, you got to run the ball, right? Whoever, if you would have told me that Patrick Mahomes would have threw for 187 yards in the Super Bowl and they would have won, I would have thought they would have got blown out. <laughs> they would have got blown out. Right. That's my yeah. point exactly. They focused on the run. Patrick Mahomes, 187. He was efficient with three touchdown passes. But the run game helped put that together. So you have to be able to run the football if you want to win the Super Bowl. I have not seen too many teams throw the ball all over the yard to, to win it. The Rams is probably the only team in, in the past six years that just threw the ball all over the yard and won the game, right? you got to be able to run the ball to win the Super Bowl. So hopefully Ken Dorsey can get the memo and and have added to have a little bit more balance in his offense. Um, that's easy, man. I mean, the, the, shoot, the Bills been, been – nobody's been in front of the Bills the past three years. So until somebody beats the Bills in the, for the division, then the Bills are still top dog. You know what I mean? It's just like what everybody was chasing New England, right? So you knock New England off, that, off, off the top – and New England is still on the top. I get it. I, I like the roster moves from all teams. Uh, you know, the Bills caused this madness. The Bills made everybody, you know, be great. <laughs> or, or, you know, or just be a, a, a doormat for the Bills if you don't, you know, force the action, if you will. So the Bills force these teams to go out and get perennial all-stars to fight fire with fire. And that's why you have a more competitive AFC East. But until a team has a better divisional record than the Buffalo Bills, they still number one. They still the beast of the East, baby. And it's going to be loaded because the NFC East is just as beastie, right? So, man, 
we it's, it's going to be one half of a season. I'm excited. I can't wait to see, you know, the new changes and acquisitions and how pivotal these teams can be, uh, these players can be for, for the new teams. But right now, Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. Okay, you can't you. never count Patriots out because of Bill Belichick. So it's going to be tough. It's not going to be like lopsided one through four. You can it'll easily be close. get three teams. Yeah, you can yeah, get three teams out of the division to make the playoffs this year. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. I, I think that, you know, one to four will probably be separated by maybe like three games. Like if the division winner is, you know, 12 and five, I think that the last place team might be like nine and eight. It's just going to be that close. That's, that's just how competitive it's going to be. So I'm I'm rolling with the Dolphins right now. You said you got to see it to believe it first. You're rolling with the Bills. Uh, regardless, it's going to be a fun season, a competitive division. Um, and I appreciate you uh, joining me to talk uh, some Bills. We take our trip around the AFC East on the Dolphins of that podcast. Uh, so that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins of that podcast. Once again, Mookie Hawkins, thank you so much. Um, we'll be back next week to continue our trip around the AFC East. Uh, we got one more team, New England Patriots. Uh, as Mookie mentioned, they're hard out every year, uh, but have they done enough to stay competitive in the division? We're going to talk about that in more. Uh, but until then, you guys enjoy uh, your holiday, uh, and we'll be back uh, next week. Take care. Bye. Go Bills. Thank <laughs> you.